you look at that river gently flowing by. You notice the leaves rustling with the wind. You hear the birds. You hear the tree frogs. In the distance, you hear a cow. You feel the grass. The mud gives a little bit on the riverbank. It's quiet. It's peaceful. And all of a sudden, it's a gear shift inside you. And it's like taking a deep breath and going... <gasps> Hello and good evening. My name is Josh. I'm joined as always by Aaron and Bob. We're the folks who are going to be fighting the of the madness. Reason and the unreasonable makes sense and nonsense because this is okay. Hear me out. Aaron and Bob, how y'all doing this evening? <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I'm doing perfect right now. I'm glad. I'm glad that's how we got to play the opening of that fucking bad movie. That was great. That was a great lead-in. I was extremely angry, maybe an, even a little bit hateful going into the show, but now I feel like super-duper zen and stuff after that nature monologue. Dude, a gear you know what's funny inside is listen back to it. Like, when you just start sitting there taking that in, because he's trying to, like, paint this picture, but he's just saying names of things like a four-year-old would. It's like... <laughs> Picture a brown dog. It's fluffy. It's wagging its tail. It's happy. You pet it. All of that will be gone. Like, it just, like, no, there's no fucking reason behind what he's saying. He's just saying things that make you think nice thoughts. It's the same as, like, the first uh, hour of, like, shitty churches that do just do, like, uh, <laughs> a bunch of shitty music and then, like, just to get everybody a real, all these women, like, real empathy, their empathy level at, like, peak, so that they can then hit them with the, and then give us money. Like, that's what makes God love you, and they're all, like, really fucking overwhelmed with emotion. It's the same exact if the, tactic. If the listeners are slightly confused, uh, we are doing our first episode on the Al Gore's documentary. Is it a documentary? Movie. The Inconvenient Truth. So, and inconvenient truth, one of many. Yeah. And oh, <laughs> <laughs> but before that, if you would like to leave a voicemail regarding our absence in this Dude, last week, if you'd like to leave a voicemail <laughs> describing random fucking <laughs> birds and nature and trees, <laughs> call. Make sure to edit like some super basic piano chords in the background too. Or yeah. if you want to call in just to talk about someone's someone in particular's driving habits, you can do that too. You that's <laughs> totally an option. <laughs> you can call us at 1-833-666-911. Again, that's 1-833-666-0911. Uh, Bob, that's going to be super confusing for anyone who doesn't listen to the very end of the show when we always do voicemails uh and based on retention <laughs> rates uh for for uh, you know on iTunes, that's literally no one is going to know what you're talking about. I was going to say, I didn't even know that we had a voicemail about it, but you, I was like, are you really doing a fucking reference to an inside joke? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's going to come at the end of the show. There's a setup uh, okay. and then the punchline. Come on. You're ruining it. Ruining you're referencing a joke good, you're good, telling good. in the future? That's fucking insane, Bob. <laughs> it's great. Great for attention. <laughs> See, guy, got to stick around for the end for a super special surprise. 
You, you may you're you're doing the callback at the beginning. It's a whole new thing. <laughs> it's not a callback. It's a setup. What are you retarded? It's not a setup. You're fucking. <laughs> God damn it! You said it the way that you would say a callback for sure. <laughs> anyway, so the inconvenient truth. The inconvenient and truth. Inc- yeah. Okay. God damn it. <laughs> Being this movie and how fucking atrocious it is, like, but at the end of oh, it, it's just like, Jesus Christ, like, please fucking kill me. Please, please stop this. It's, I, um, it's just. Go ahead. Oh, I was I was very surprised at there's a couple things in this movie that I assumed that they ex- they either underwhelmed me or exceeded my expectations on. The one is. I thought he was going to make more specific predictions. He only he only said two things total in the whole movie that were supposed to have already come to pass. And then the other the part that exceeded my expectations is I figured his evidence would be flimsy, but it is predicated on some nonsense, which we'll get into. But what was your like initial like feeling going into watching this shitty movie? I uh, my my experience watching it was that it was it, it felt very played or very boring because we've been bombarded with these exact same talking points and exact same lack of evidence on uh climate topics for the last, you know, 20 years at this point. So it it even though I hadn't seen it, it's like I'd seen it 10 times already. That's a that's fair. I actually, uh, I, I'm going to play this clip instead of answering that question because this clip perfectly summarizes this this movie, basically. But the problem is this thin layer of atmosphere is being thickened by all of the global warming pollution that's being put up there. And what that does is it thickens this layer of atmosphere. More of the outgoing infrared is trapped. And so the atmosphere heats up worldwide. That's global warming. Now, that's the traditional explanation. Here's a what I think is a better explanation. Global warming, or none like it hot. Yes, it is a clip. He played a clip in this movie from Futurama. <laughs> and, and like a five-minute clip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the, He ran the whole Futurama clip. And this is mm-hmm. within the first 10 minutes of, of the movie. And you're just like, what are you doing? Stop it. You know, it's insane. No. If you go by his, his average rate for speaking, which we found out was like 100 grand for doing the slideshow, uh, he got paid like eight grand while watching a Futurama clip. not just him watching one but forcing you to watch one too yeah i mean that has to be the best thing that's come out of a ted talk is recycling futurama content right what's insane is that these intellectuals like people that view themselves as intellectuals the type of people that would show up at one of these like excited to see a talk a ted talk on global warming um this is for babies. Like, this is for retard. This is a slideshow that could have been put together by an 11-year-old. No that's problem. The, uh, Aaron, you might be surprised to hear this, but that it's it's actually above average that quality is. for a TED Talk. Like, I, I, used, I used to listen to <laughs> well, a bunch. Like, when I drove down, 
Yeah, well, I drove to high school every day. I, I just listened to TED Talks. Um, and the 99% of them were absolute garbage. Like, there was just no, no argument being made, no evidence being presented, no point, uh, to what they were talking about. This here, especially in 2005, this would have been exciting. <laughs> I, like, isn't that mind blowing that, like, the people that are the ones that are like, I I am super smart. Are going and earnestly listening to a fucking PowerPoint made for sixth graders. But that is their target demographic, though, because you have to realize, like, the target demographic was the children, like Greta, like Thunberg, and to rile them up. It, I I get it. I I agree. How much does this documentary get played in schools? I don't think it does. I, I hope it's all. Oh, I think, oh, I think man, it, it I probably it probably has been. <laughs> it definitely has well, been by but I feel like that's a that's a teacher going rogue. Like there's no way that was part of curriculum at any point. You know, one thing I didn't really expect, I I, I guess if if I was gonna go to this thing and like watch it like as like they recorded it back in like 2006, I would be like, oh geez, I'm gonna go do a TED talk for Al Gore. I wonder how many times he's going to reference him losing the election in 2000. <laughs> and that was half by the golly, movie. that was half the fucking movie. <laughs> half the movie is him being salty about losing the election and then doing cinematic cuts of Bush. <laughs> it's like him looking sadly out the window, like. I could have saved the whole world and then like cutting to a clip of Bush getting out in, like a trench coat and trying to make him look like as much like Hitler as possible. It's I, I, I actually have that clip right here. Or <laughs> is the winner of the national popular vote, but the state of Florida, whomever wins there wins the White House. Florida in the Al Gore. Florida pulled back into the undecided column. George Bush is the president-elect of the United States. He is Florida goes Bush. Florida the presidency is Bush. That's it. And at 2.18 this morning, we project. All right, we're officially saying that Florida is too close to call. So, yeah, that it's just like this, like, 10-minute montage. Of what I don't understand is it has nothing to do with the whole point of the movie, which is supposed to be global warming. Well, I... So there, there are also like sob stories throughout and he's trying to like pull at your heartstring. And so he kind of like implies that he could have saved the world if he had won this he does election it constantly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he'll never give up fighting for you. Like half of this is a political ad for him. It's a fucking insane. It's a yeah political ad for children, specifically for children, I think. Uh, be, because it intertwines the two, right? It intertwines um, politics and the, this message of, you know, like this eco movement message and how you, sh- you should always be voting for this no matter what. And there's, you know, there are people like that today. That was This was made in 2006. It's 2023. And people are voting strictly on like that's like their single topic that they'll, they'll decide. Oh, yeah. On. There's a ton of people that are global warming only platform people. It's which is crazy. Yeah. But the yeah. uh <laughs> um that was one of my favorite parts of this movie is one of the themes of it is giving very little evidence for the thing you're claiming is this huge problem, making it wild claims, but as long as you do it like you're sad about it, like you know, the whole world's going to burn up and 
we were a few votes in Florida away from me saving the planet. And uh, what I don't understand is that no one, no one cares. They just don't understand the gravity of this. They never even consider that they're maybe wrong. That like this, this very flimsy, like they build this entire, he builds this entire case off of one of the flimsiest pieces of scientific evidence we've ever seen. Like the claim of how they know that CO2 is causing the whole planet to heat up and it's going to be like just the oceans are going to fucking rise and swallow the earth. It, it, it's crazy. So are we almost to that point where he talks about the bubbles in the ice? Uh, yes. So that's this clip right here. And the ice has stories to tell us. My friend Lonnie Thompson digs core drills in the ice. They dig down and they bring the core drills back up and they look at the ice and they study it. When the snow falls, it traps little bubbles of atmosphere and they can go in and measure how much CO2 was in the atmosphere the year that that snow fell. What's even more interesting, I think, is they can... Pause it real quick. Okay, so first step of this let's just let's just be scientists for everybody here we dr- they drill a big fucking hole into the ice they pull out a plug of ice and then saw it in half and they're saying that like rings of a tree each layer of ice represents an amount of time like there's like each layer of every year there's a new layer and so uh, that doesn't make sense because Antarctica's melting there's there should make one less layer right? each year they how many times have they said that the fucking shit melted and refroze and all that? You know what I mean? So, right. A, they're, they can't even keep that straight. Like, the, the the reality we're supposed to believe where Antarctica was maybe a tropical paradise with a fucking bunch of dinosaurs on it at one point. Like, all those things we're supposed to believe, we have to throw out the window in order to believe this new thing where they can take a chunk of ice. Also... How tall is the fucking till you get down to hundred thousand years ago of ice? You know what I mean? Like how far down are they really drilling? I mean, there there's rock how under thick- Antarctica, so I, I'm wondering how thick the ice even is to begin with. That's what I mean. There, so they they haven't gotten to it yet, but they do make the claim that it's six hundred fifty thousand years they can go back. But it's just so that's our first thing. We have to believe that they can calendar date the earth based on how thick the ice they just drilled is okay so let's just we have to assume that's true but now keep going let's see what else is required to believe in order to keep you know this line of reasoning up measure the different isotopes of oxygen and figure out a very precise thermometer and tell you what the temperature was the year that uh, that bubble was trapped in the snow as it fell okay when I pause, pause that. <laughs> so we have to, we can a tell when we dig a, we drill a hole and pull out the ice in that hole. We can tell what year that ice formed. You have to believe that. Then we can tell the temperature. It was the day that a bubble was fucking trapped in the ice. <laughs> yeah. I can give you a hint below freezing. It was cold. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> 32 degrees. Holy shit. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> and this is all based on how much carbon is in the air, which 
does not directly affect the temperature outside, by the way. There is carb. You can have the same carbon level in a desert that where it's 110 degrees and the same in a tundra where it's whatever. And then you say, well, the global average, but they're pulling fucking temperature from Antarctica. How do they know what fucking the temperature was in the Congo? Because of a frozen (laughs) bubble of air, (laughs) even if they can do all the things like the claim just to, they, they don't even think about questioning this part. This part's settled science. You know what I mean? Like this is fucking nuts to just make the this assumption. Yeah, I, I think the temperature one need, needs more explanation too, because he said a very precise uh, temperature. Don't even think about that one. Just, ex- and it's just like, accept that. You mean a precise temperature of the average of the year for the planet? Because, like, what the fuck are you talking because the about? Temperature is or like is where for low freezing for that day in Antarctica. I mean, like the, the idea is that <laughs> yeah, the, the, in, in that location, the, the idea is that the composition of the atmosphere um, is uh, specifically carbon dioxide levels is the only factor that goes into uh, average temperatures across the world. Average and that the global carbon, temperature. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that the carbon dioxide levels are going to be consistent across the world as well. So, yeah, I, which is crazy to say. Yeah. It, and so this is where he starts getting into, he's like, well, we start measuring all this carbon dioxide in the ice. And then this is when he starts talking about the 650,000 years and like, you know, all the dating. And he starts lining up graphs like he's like some cheeky little bastard. So if you look at a thousand years worth of temperature and compare it to a thousand years of CO2, you can see how closely they fit together. Now, a thousand years of uh, CO2 in the mountain glaciers, that's one thing. But in Antarctica, they can go back 650,000 years. This, incidentally, uh, is the first time anybody outside of a small group of scientists has seen this image. Oh, so I want to point out that he also explains in this very documentary that he's given like a thousand of these speeches across the globe. Like at least a like, thousand like, no, that well, he says this in exact the, same set of PowerPoint slides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's given this presentation at least a thousand times, but he's telling the room right now. He's like, "This is the first time anyone outside of a small group of scientists have seen this graph, and and you know everyone else that you presented this information to." <laughs> yeah. Plus, I made a dumb movie about it, and all it is is a graph. It just shows parts per million of CO two over. 650,000 years, which we again you have to presume that they found 600. Uh, hey guys, do you have I don't know one photograph of the side of a fucking 650,000 ringed fucking layered glacier or whatever where you can even make the claim that you can tell that the ice is that old? Like, wh- can you just show me how show me that fucking thing because that's probably like a natural wonder of the world. The six hundred fifty thousand layered fucking glacier. Yeah, Can we I see like that. You're, you're right. That, that that would be a a pilgrimage for every <laughs> photographer to take a beautiful photo of. That that sounds uh, <laughs> yeah. sounds splendid, amazing. Yeah, you know, you, we we go and look at the redwoods, and you're like, holy shit, this thing is fucking. They found a three hundred year old tree, and they're like, god damn. Yeah, that's up to thousand. 
2000? No, it's 650,000 layered glacier that they can test bubbles at the bottom layer from. Holy <laughs> shit, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Is there any proof that exists? Well, no, we don't have to prove it. You just have to accept it so that you can look at this graph and then just believe what I'm telling you on this graph. They also, the other graph about the temperature, the average global temperature that they tried to claim, where it's it shoots up at the end, you know, as soon as it hits the industrial revolution, it just shoots straight up in the air. Um, if you look at the side, it's like, it's go, it goes up like less, barely over half a degree. Like, so this <laughs> giant shot up is <laughs> 0.6 degrees average temperature. And that's if we believe our temperature readings from, I don't know, 1900, uh, like before 1900. No, Aaron, Aaron, if you, if you remember the, uh, if, if I remember, if I remember correctly, when he presented this, he presented up until like almost the end there and showed that, uh, we can prove that the temperature and carbon dioxide are directly correlated. Now we have these carbon dioxide readings from the last, uh, 20 years. Um, let's extrapolate based on this correlation what the temperature would then be. But my point being that they haven't measured this spike in temperature yet, uh, as he he present presents they this plot. They haven't measured CO two concentration. Like, you know what I mean? Like the the huge spike happens in like what eighteen fifty on that fucking sheet or something on that graph. Oh, it starts oh. spiking at eighteen fifty. You have to believe that they were measuring CO two. No, 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 no. No, this no, is glacier data. Spiking. Mount, Mount, do you see the, the uh, subtitle on the screen right now? A thousand years of CO2 in the mountain glaciers. It's more ice bubbles. Oh, uh, in the mountain glaciers. That's right. You have to believe that they can timestamp glacier ice bubbles. That's yeah, right. you just carbonate the, the way, ice. The graph is misleading. It goes from 1800 to the year 2000. So the big spike really starts at like halfway through the 1900s, like 1950, basically. I meant the temperature uh, or the CO2 yeah. concentration. Uh, the, the, right. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I that, see. Well, like the, yeah. In, uh, it's not the same X axis. What the hell? Yeah. Not even, not even close. <laughs> uh, well, it's just not broken down the same actually. Yeah. Cause it does go from a oh. thousand to 2000. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. About 1850. You're right on that, but the temperature doesn't spike until like I was saying, like, 1950 so and it's it like oh, okay three degrees or whatever after 1950 yeah but they're trying to claim it's gonna just keep and, shooting up and it's gonna be you know a hellfire which is also misleading because the, it says the temperature of the northern hemisphere not the globe right if like you're excluding half of your data points if you're saying the globe is warming up but we only measured mm -hmm. half of it if, well, if that half was a little bit lower, it would it would accommodate for those measurements. It's also, like, okay. it doesn't show you what the temperature is. It just says zero. It's just showing you temperature fluctuation. It doesn't tell. It doesn't show you actually what the temperature is. They're just Correct. saying they zero it out at at like its um, center point, basically. Yeah, but, but we don't know what a center point is. We have no frame of reference for any of this. Like these graphs yeah. are meaningless. <laughs> Basically, yeah, you, you have to know so much information that they're not giving you to make these graphs like useful. 
And you have to uh, live under the assumption that they actually can get all this from a from a thousand year old air bubble in a glacier, and that they can even identify which one is a one thousand year old air bubble. Yeah, I want to. I want to be the scientist, the the Antarctic researcher who presents this and gives this plot to Al Gore, and just watches him react like like it's something super exciting. Whereas I I know it's no big deal, and just a you know a spiky line that shows a variance of point uh, two five degrees. But just watch him just like read into it and not understand what's going on, and be super excited, and just let him take it off onto his little you know. This TED is the talks. thing. Josh, guaranteed, you're the Antarctica scientist, okay? This is the graph that you come up with the day before your due date for your research because you don't have anything. Like, this is the simplest, dumbest graph. And you're just like, oh, yeah, I I studied air bubbles in the ice the whole time. And really, you were just, like, hanging out and collecting, like, a paycheck. (laughs) That, that's, a, that's a yeah. phenomenal point yeah that's like the the quality is, of some of this data right? and research is is very last minute it's, all of your projects failed and you're trying to like compile a deliverable whatever it is yeah this graph is just is nonsense this is a fucking child's graph <laughs> you can do this in three seconds there's like fucking five points on the x-axis and like five points on the y-axis and they just go yeah, here, 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 yeah, and then make the CO2 one kind of follow sort of the same pattern, and then you're like, oh, this is shocking, isn't it, Mr. Gore? So he pulls up the even longer graph, the 650,000-year graph, and then he starts getting mm-hmm. into the projections of where this graph is going to go because we see this huge spike in today's time, basically, of CO2 levels and they're going to start predicting things with the upcoming year's CO2 emissions. Now, if you'll bear with me, I want to really emphasize this point. I, the, the crew here has tried to teach me how to use this contraption here. So if I don't kill myself, I'll, Oh, please. So he's, (laughs) (laughs) he's just on a lift. It's already, you can make his graph super right here. Yeah, right. Point to it. Look how far above the natural cycle this is. And we've done that. But ladies and gentlemen, in the next 50 years, really in less than 50 years, it's going to continue to go up. When some of these children who are here are my age, here's what it's going to be in less than 50 years. Uh, And the scissor lift keeps going up. A straight vertical line. You've heard of off the charts. Yeah, it's. Within less than 50 years, it'll be here. There's not a single fact or date or number that's been used to make this up that's in any controversy. The so-called skeptics look at this and they say, so that seems perfectly okay." Okay, I let it. <laughs> I waited for the laugh track on that one. <laughs> the so-called skeptics. <laughs> There's no one arguing against him at this point. Basically, like <laughs> they're just like, okay, you're predicting the end of the world. Like, what are you? What are you talking about? So we're about 2006. We're almost 20 years to this prediction point. 
I'm I'm sure the CO2 levels have just skyrocketed in, in the time being, right? Oh, in, he act, they actually, in the meantime, I just, uh, I looked that up. I looked up the oh, okay. state of global warming, and uh, right now it's 419.2 parts per million. So you see how he showed it? It was going to go up to like 600 in less than 50 years. Uh, okay, yeah, from, from like... So, so right now we're at like 400 parts per million, and that's when he's giving this talk. We're like at 400 or just above. Now we're at 419. Okay, for, for that one plot, it looks like the average is around like 300 to f- over over the last you know hundreds of thousands That's of years with of history. No industrial ev- revolution. Yeah, if if no humans are here, it's up like it, around 300, and it goes up and down by like 80, depending on what time period you're in, whatever. So we're we're at 419 um, right now. We're at four nineteen right now, but so we're, we we've we've just barely by like we've just barely broken the threshold of uh you know outside of the norm, and we're we're on that straight vertical trajectory. That that's where you're this, getting at, right? Bob, go back to that graph. Go back to that graph. I want to see how many parts per million his graph says we're in right now, because that's actually it, it doesn't. Um, there no, is the one no where he's other... in the scissor lift. No, it yeah, yeah. The, I think one. the numbers make sense. It has it has numbers on the side like two hundred, three hundred, four hundred. The the blue, yeah, the blue graph. Well, you have to give me a second here. All right. Well, you do that for a second. So anyways, this article says we're at 419 because I, I feel like Al Gore was actually claiming we're above that 20 years ago. And I just want to see how the science is settled. Um, So they've changed their tune a little bit because his his projection was it's going to go skyrocketing up above 600 in the next 50 years. Right. OK, so. The original, the the very height of the graph of the original graph was 400 parts per million. And so in this, it was peaking around 300 parts per million. It was going all the way down to like about 175, probably 150. He he unveils where we're at today and it goes way up and then he stops it. But it, it, okay, hold on. But you just, just. Get to that point where it goes yeah. up a little bit, and then uh, we'll talk about it. But um, his predictions, like off the charts, but they've changed their tune, is what I'm saying in this, uh, you know, nowadays. So they're trying to say last year the average was 417, and this year it's 419, and it's been going up about two parts per million every year. So now they're saying we'll be up over 600 in a hundred years. So they've they flattened oh, out they... their predictions to make it longer, but it's still horrible, and you still need to give us all your money, and we need to tax carbon, the thing that's made out, that everything's made out of. We need to tax that. That's the only way to save you somehow. I mean, it's been working so far, clearly. Yeah. So today's concentration, yeah. he had it 350. Uh, close to four, yeah. But they're they're not even. He doesn't have any. Like when it goes beyond for the prediction, he doesn't have like the left side, like the y-axis labeled in that. No, but it's showing about like a six hundred ish. Like if you probably, look. I actually yeah. no, it's more. Might be higher than that. Yeah, Cause yeah, because it it goes up pretty high. Yeah, it's probably six hundred right there. Where that's where his less than fifty year prediction is. But they've they've changed that to like a hundred. So I guess our 
Our politicians have been working hard to save us. So they've already changed their tune on how fast that's rising. Um, right. But it's still still really bad. Well, let's uh, go for a second and go to his prediction because he brings up Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah, and now we're beginning predictions. to see the impact in the real world. This is Mount Kilimanjaro more than 30 years ago and more recently. And a friend of mine just came back from Kilimanjaro with a picture he took a couple months ago. Another friend, Lonnie Thompson, studies glaciers. Here's Lonnie with a last sliver of one of the once mighty glaciers. Within the decade, there will be no more snows of Kilimanjaro. All right, 2016. Was was there snow on Mount Kilimanjaro? (laughs) I I saw a 2021 picture of it that we uh, that I posted in the chat that is uh, snowier than any of the pictures he showed, even the one from 1970. So I guess Mil- Mount Kilimanjaro is saved. And, Thank God they put a ski uh, resort yep. up there. <laughs> <laughs> and then he immediately follows up with uh, Glacier National Park. I backed it up a little. Hey, there will be no more snows of Kilimanjaro. This is happening in Glacier National Park. I climbed to the top of this in 1998 with one of my daughters. Within 15 years, this will be the park formerly known as Glacier. Here is what's been happening year by year to the Columbia Glacier. It just retreats every single year. And it's a shame. 2021 Glacier National Park. Where are we at, gentlemen? Well, we we got to have a whole episode about that one. That was a fun one. They uh, they had to remove the plaque that said these glaciers will be gone in 2020 because the glaciers weren't gone. So now it's just a plaque that says these glaciers will be gone in the near future. <laughs> Leave it open ended, obviously, so that everybody reads it. Yeah, you got a fear monger. No matter what still. year you're in, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like those. Uh, the like the churches that predict like the end of the world and everything like that. And they're like, Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It didn't happen, but it might happen again next year. Who yeah. Knows? They got to start yeah. predicting the end of the world <laughs> about the time they're going to be dead. So yeah. that it's like, I'm confused. Al Gore isn't having gay sex with anyone in the audience. He, he's, he, he's not a real doomsday naysayer. You don't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He does talk about going to Antarctica an awful lot, so... Yeah. <laughs> he really does. Was it just easier to go back in 2006, or uh, what What would happen? No, it has not been easy to go there <laughs> since 1954, when they unilaterally decided no one's allowed. He's a special class, so... Yeah, he, he there's certain people are allowed to. He's allowed to go there. He's allowed to use a private jet. No one else is. You're not getting this. <laughs> Didn't you watch the movie with us, Josh? God. Well, his net po- the net positive, you know, he has to use the private jet to go around and save the world. So he can use it because he's still curing more global warming, even though he's using the private jet than you are. I, I was reading as, as part of his uh, speaker fees and contract, he would require to be uh, demand to be picked up in a hybrid sedan rather than an SUV or a truck, uh, just so he, he doesn't As ruin he the environment on his way from, yeah, just so he doesn't ruin his, the environment on his way from the airport to, uh, whatever, you know, conference hall he's giving a talk in. 
God damn it. Doesn't he know that planes use 10,000 gallons of fuel every every hour they're in the air? Well, well, that's a you're lowballing that one. It's like 40,000 gallons. Please. <laughs> Please. It uses 10 tanker trucks a fucking round trip to <laughs> Florida. <laughs> so, I really like this one cuz he brings up ocean temperatures and then he pulls out this graph that is a prediction of a prediction and then like actual uh, measurements it's really funny so the temperature increases are taking place all over the world including in the oceans this is the natural range of variability for temperature in the oceans you know people say oh it's just naturally goes up and down so don't worry about it this is the range that would be expected over the last 60 years but the scientists who specialize in global warming have computer models that long ago oh, predicted boy. this range of temperature increase. Okay, hold on. Now yeah, I'm going to show. What, so, what are the? Can you <laughs> wait, 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 wait. wait, let's get to the actual uh, uh, observed temperatures. Hold on. We recently released the actual ocean temperatures, and of course, when the oceans get warmer, that causes stronger storms. Okay, chill out. We get it. It was a year after Katrina. Like, <laughs> yeah. But so he just, the he starts what? off by saying, "We have computer models that that predict that what the temperature will be, and that's like supposed to be taken as fact." Wait, you have to take a step back because the first one that he showed, you're talking about the second variability, which was the expected variation due to human causes. That's the one that's predicted by the model and then they had a, another predicted natural variability <laughs> they can't control that they can't control those those variables and and make that an accurate prediction is what i'm saying they use computer models to do one graph that's like oh human uh, global warming is causing this rise in temperature and then they did another computer model saying this is what it would have been without human caused global warming and then they overlap it with the actual observed temperatures, which is the only useful information that he presided yeah. in this entire discussion. Well, that's the thing. They took, uh, they took, they, they predicted what the temperature variables would be, which is, by the way, guys, 0.4 degrees. That's their fucking, yeah. that's their <laughs> that's, variable. That's the top end of their fucking variable is, yeah, less than 0.4 degrees. So they, that's what they say the variable is because of us. And then just put it near zero and say, this is what it would have been if humans don't exist. But there's nothing to back up that statement. I, I'm, like, I'm So, Bob, this may just be my lack of advanced degree talking, but um, when I'm looking at this plot and looking at the predicted natural variability, um, my, my guess or my understanding would be that they would look at uh, historical data of variability in temperatures in the ocean um, so th this starts in 1940. So let's say whatever data we have from, you know, 1800 to 1940 and take some sort of average there. Um, how do they, but, but what we see here is not just like a plus minus 0.1 band. Uh, what we see here is a very precise spiky up and down band with um changing you know positive and negative uh levels of predicted variability um how how are they getting to this what's going on in the ocean that we can also include in these models that 
would cause such a precise uh, change in positive and negative variance? I I honestly don't know. There's there's that's what I'm saying. There's too many variables to it. Like, like I, I can, I can, un- no, no, I mean, that, I, that's, that's a real question. Like, I, I can understand, like, oh, we, we know the ocean currents are in a two-year pattern or something. You can have, like, a little sine wave with a, a slight variation. But, but this very precise, very random spikiness, like, wh- why? Where, where the fuck does this come from? It's not even that exactly. precise. That's what it's I'm saying. That- that's, that's why I found this graph so hilarious. Because they're like, we're going to predict one thing and then make another prediction. And then we'll, we'll counter that to... Uh, like actual evidence and be like, oh, look, the evidence sort of suggests one over the other. But it's like they're, they're too like nonsensical. Y- you made a graph and you can pat yourself on the back for it. Like, good job. Like, congratulations. But like, it's only a graph of what you think might happen. It's not even yeah. fucking real. You don't have to put real numbers in there. It's a graph you of what anything you, you want might happen and what you think should happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other part, is that you think, well, what would happen if it was still just the dinosaurs It's like hanging complete, out? Yeah, it's complete hubris for them to be like, this is how it should happen. And it's like, what What the fuck are you talking about? Okay, first of all, you know, the oceans, you know, like, water covers most of the planet. And a lot of that, like, a lot of the, the ebb and flow of the heat is not just from, like, the atmospheric temperature, but from the... Solar radiation. If you don't know, like, or like, you the, know, what didn't we just talk about the two thousand volcanoes that are fucking like yeah. erupting into the ocean at all times? That's yeah. that has nothing to do with temperature change in the ocean. The ones that, yeah, that we just covered human. a couple They're, shows ago. Volcanoes, yeah. volcanoes are child's play. They're they're uh, have zero impact on the environment c- compared with uh, temperature and, and at all compared with human activities. You refusing to recycle is going to have more of an, of an impact than, than 10 volcanoes. I think it's no, I think seriously it's like one volcano emits the same amount of CO2 as like the entirety of the industrial revolution. Yeah. Something like that. That would make it's sense. Something insane. And, and we had was like a really big eruption. Um, God, when did like Mount St. Helens erupt? I don't. I don't remember the the eighties. When people were pointing that out, though, they just go, "Well, the Earth is actually perfectly tuned to uh, absorb that much CO two. We're the extra that the Earth can't absorb." <laughs> what about when? Uh, yeah, yeah nineteen eighty. Good job, Bob. Okay. Bam. Knocked it out of the park. Uh, I love it. Okay, so that was funny to me. Another really funny part is the the fear mongering that he pulls in, and he starts going biblical. Europe uh, has just had a year very similar to the one we've had, where uh, they say uh, nature's been going crazy, all kinds of uh, unusual catastrophes, like a nature hike through the Book of Revelations, flooding. That's there's good. such a That's long good. pause to that too <laughs> also here's a here's he's, a he's like dumb. waiting for a laugh from the audience and they don't get it or, or something pause for effect here's something. so <laughs> all right so he showed that uh flood graph he said there's more flooding events now in europe than there were in 1980 or whatever yeah uh, and then it goes up every year so this is the kind of shit that people don't consider the variables on it's like that probably is pretty much in line with population growth. 
Like, yes. there's more areas to be considered a flooding event because yes. when the river oh. floods and there's no one around to fucking have their house swept away, no one calls it an event. I now you have guess. more places where people can be flooded. Or it's, or it's not that like there's a, more flooding. There's not more flooding. It's just more people living in areas that can be flooded. That, that haven't lived there before. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I was going to say it was uh, the, the increased um, population requires increased agriculture, which requires increased uh, degradation of the topsoil. And the topsoil is what's holding yeah. together these floodplains from flooding. Wait till those topsoil tornadoes come along and fucking wipe them out that's gonna be real that's when global warming is real serious yep we'll get the the ukrainian dust bowl 2024 look out (laughs) but also too because it's like um a lot of these things especially with like the flooding events it's like new orleans like it wasn't flooded because like it, it was like a severe like super severe thing it was just like a shitty infrastructure that collapsed and flooded like a whole like metropolitan area, basically. And the city that, is built below sea level, right? I mean that aside, but you have you have to consider like we have like modern engineering and it, things are engineered specifically for okay, like you have like the hundred year storm basically that they all, like kind of always consider. And it's like nothing is actually built to those specs exactly. So. When that hundred year storm comes, you're fucked. Like your your house isn't high enough. You don't have enough like uh, drainage and stuff like that. Like you're you're just fu- you didn't engineer to that. Therefore, it's now a catastrophe. Well, they they had that in um, uh, they had that in Memphis this this last winter where uh, around Christmas there was uh, like a, a week of single digit weather, uh, single digit uh, Fahrenheit degrees uh, weather, and which none of the infrastructure was designed for. So. Um, a bunch of the pipes froze and broke, uh, and like hours out and whatever for yeah, half, the, half the city for a week. And it was, yeah, again, they have, like you said, it happened in Texas. That was, um, I, there's, there's some power grid stuff to consider there as well. But like a lot of the reason it failed so easily is because the infrastructure was designed for warm weather. Like Bob said, like the infrastructure in New Orleans was not designed for this, you know, uh, for, for a major hurricane, uh, like what came. And even if it was at a certain time, it wasn't at that state in its maintenance level either. Well, yeah, just the levee broke. Like, yeah, and all the water came pouring in. Yeah. So, I mean, that one, that one always like, it's like, okay, yeah, population growth, plus also like what we're building everything to, to make it a quote unquote catastrophe. It's like, yeah, a lot of lives were like disrupted, obviously, but it's like not because the fucking earth's atmosphere is like revolting against us it's literally because it's like oh it's normally hot in texas let's build shit that can last like you know pretty severe heat and then all of a sudden you know once in 100 years it freezes over and everyone fucking flips out the infrastructure breaks it's like of course that was going to happen wasn't designed to to handle that well then thank god joe biden passed that trillion dollar infrastructure bill we can fix all this and be set (laughs) for the next uh 15 years of global warming the um yeah, so many people doomsday that shit with like these uh where they're like, Oh, the there's more storms and earthquakes. Oh, Armageddon's around the corner, oh this is have global warming's getting worse, obviously, like all this shit, and it's like, uh, okay, so we have a hundred percent more people than we did seventy years ago. And um eight billion percent more people that can record it. 
That, yeah. Like, you don't think that has something to do with the fact that you're seeing more of these events, you stupid assholes? No, it, you think it's a biblical event or or the Earth, is, Mother Earth is trying to kill us? Like, fuck off. No, these It's are, insane. These are, like, the same type of people that literally wrote about, like, the Great Flood and, like, the Bible being like, oh, my God, it was so bad. It killed everything. It's like, no, it wiped out your village. Uh, it was pretty <laughs> close to sea level. <laughs> And they're like, oh, it flooded the world. <laughs> Killed literally everyone like, except right. for Noah and his family and all the animals. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to dig specifically at the Bible and and, and tangentially Aaron, but... Um, no, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I mean, obviously that one was the whole world. You dumb <laughs> idiot. You fucking <laughs> heathen. But... Sorry. <laughs> And we didn't have the Jewish media back then to lie to us about the stats and the the, and the, the official history and records. Yeah, uh, that was probably written by Jews too. Most yeah, of that—that that was, that so, was the point. Yeah, it was before you know, Christianity. Gotta watch like. out, even with the Bible. Let's keep an eye out. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now these are—I wouldn't call them—they're like sort of predictions. He's like giving warnings on like very specific things. Yeah, Bob, Bob. Can you do me a favor? Can you uh, can you look up the early life of Noah? <laughs> Let's check check that out real quick. Oy vey. What's that? What's that? Oh, early life on Noah. I think he wrote a bunch of those. Uh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, I actually did. Okay, so uh, like I said, I wouldn't call these predictions per se, but he's saying he's like, okay, well this part. If Greenland melts or if like this west part of like Antarctica melts, it'll it'll do all like these. He, he's giving all these like very specific things and like how much that'll affect like the sea level. So but even before they could figure out what had happened there, something else started going wrong. When the floating sea based ice cracked up, it no longer held back the ice on the land and the land based ice then started falling into the ocean. It was like letting the cork out of a bottle. And there's a difference between floating ice and land-based ice that's like the difference between an ice cube floating in a glass of water, which when it melts doesn't raise the level of water in the glass, and a cube that's sitting atop a stack of ice cubes which melts and flows over the edge. That's why the citizens of these Pacific nations have all had to evacuate to New Zealand. But I want to focus on West Antarctica because... So, did you guys catch I, that? I have, I, have, I have many questions. Um, <laughs> what's the relationship between uh, glacier melting and the Pacific or China Ocean? What, what's, what's, what's going on there? There is none. There literally is uh. none. So, one part of Antarctica, like, melted off. And that's what he was describing at the very beginning of the clip. Because, like, a, a sea-based part of Antarctica melted very rapidly they were all confused like it's going to take a hundred years for this to to melt through and it happened in like three months or something like that it was the ice in one bay it, in like a bay yeah and so he's saying he's like once that melted all the ice from the land base started sinking in and it it raised the sea level so much that pacific islanders had to flee and go to new zealand those that's so no that's longer the, the only the only coastline like 
What? Do you guys know the of a time that, that Pacific Island countries had to all abandon their homes and go to New Zealand? Permanently? acted like that's a thing we should all know. That ice is gone. It's not coming back. That shelf is gone. The ice on, on land is gone. Those islands should not exist anymore. Those people should be permanently in New Zealand at this moment. <laughs> they probably are. Where, what are, the, what, are these countries we never heard of? Because they're... <laughs> You know what I mean? Is this like where the Oompa Loompas come from and they had to all move to New Zealand? Like one of those type of islands that we thought was like fake? What's it? He just says it so casually like it's a thing we all heard about. Like it's the Civil War or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that time everybody from Southeast Asia had to move to New Zealand. You're like, what? <laughs> the great migration of the Pacific Islanders. <laughs> he, he brings up Katrina, Hurricane Katrina quite a bit in, in New Orleans. But when he mentions the, like, a year before, I think, in 2004, was that, that terrible tsunami that just destroyed Myanmar and, like, a bunch of Pacific Island countries. Is that what he's referring to? Or is it just, like, a, a separate, uh, you know, ocean events that had displaced everyone to New Zealand? Why not just he, mainland China or India or something? <laughs> like, well, there, there, there are actual like high elevation places that can take population uh, nearby. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I just assume he's like taking credit from like a tsunami that like rolled through and devastated like these like tiny little villages, basically that were more on like the the southern end of the you know Pacific Islands. I don't know. He gave zero reference to it. He just literally showed like a slideshow of like some kids playing in water with like their home on a dock, like right next to the waterfront. And it was like these Pacific Islanders had to flee their fucking land. What's like, insane what? is that they let the that they let global warming take credit for like storms now. Like storms didn't have it, this is like the same as uh, COVID. Oh yeah. yeah, before global warming, storms didn't happen, and before COVID, people didn't die. Like, you know, what I mean? it's insane. <laughs> All right. So uh, here's the actual like fake predictions that he gives uh, regarding Greenland and Antarctica. In 1992, they measured this amount of melting in Greenland. Ten years later, this is what happened. Greater. And here's the melting from 2005. Even greater. Tony Blair, scientific advisor, like has said that because of what's happening in Greenland right now, the maps of the world will have to be redrawn. If Greenland broke up and melted, or if half of Greenland and half of West Antarctica broke up and melted, this is what would happen to the sea level in Florida. So they're, they're showing the new map. This is what would happen to San Francisco Bay. Oh yeah, we need to go deeper. A lot feet. of people live in these areas. The Netherlands, one of the low countries. Rip. Don't Absolutely devastating. The area around Beijing that's home to tens of millions of people. Even worse, in the area around Shanghai, there are 40 million people. Worse still, Calcutta and to the east, Bangladesh, the area covered includes 60 million people. Think of the impact of a couple hundred thousand refugees when they're displaced by an environmental event. And then imagine the impact of a hundred million or more. Here's Manhattan. This is the World Trade Center 
memorial site. And after the horrible <laughs> events of 9 emotional appeal. <laughs> we said never again. <laughs> but this is what would happen to Manhattan. All right, three blocks in, water's protruding. They can measure this precisely, just as the scientists could predict precisely how much water would breach the levees in New Orleans. The area well. where the World Trade Center <laughs> Memorial... <laughs> okay. That's I the kind I've... of shit. He's trying to be scientific, but then he can't help himself but try to just like appeal to every emotional event that happened in the last few years. Right. There's no reason to be like, here's the, here's the episode of 9-11 Memorial. We promise never again. <laughs> We're not going to let the sun do it this time either. <laughs> what? It's so, but yeah, he's saying, so if all of Greenland melted, that's 20 feet right there added to the sea level. Uh, same a slight tangent, speaking of 20 feet, so I looked up the Pacific Islander thing, and it's this little country of uh, Tuvalu, um, which currently has uh, almost 12,000 people. Um, it's located between Hawaii and Australia, and they were the ones who, for whatever reason, uh, when they, they wanted to flee the country or uh, immigrate away from the country, were blaming them on climate change in New Zealand. The, created an agreement to let them in or, or create a, an immigrant quota. Um, I want to guess, uh, speaking of 20 feet, do you want to guess what the highest point on the island of Tuvalu is? Seven. Seven feet. Uh, Aaron? <laughs> 33 feet. 15 feet. Oh, God! Should have gone a little, should have doubled it. <laughs> So is that gone? Is it completely just gone? No, they just had a tsunami. No, the island still exists. Yeah, it still exists. Uh, they they get some cyclones. You know how I know they exist, that Bob? Are taller than it. Um, yes, Aaron. It, I know it exists because the sea level has not risen a fucking millimeter <laughs> in the entire recorded history of man. There, there's some descriptions uh, for under the page of climate change in Tuvalu uh, sea level rise where um, like the highest points of the island, it's not like a, a rock or a real like solid ground. It's 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 dunes, it's sand. And, you know, you get get, uh, get some <laughs> some trees uprooted and uh, get get a, a bad storm. And, you know, that's that's down to like, you know, uh, 10 feet overnight. 12. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and so it's just a so, fucking nightmare where you're fighting the ocean at all times. Yes, and so, some of their storms, some of the cyclones yeah. they get get waves up to like uh, thirty feet, twenty or thirty feet tall. Um, so oh. the the island is literally destroyed uh, just by like just by regular nature. <laughs> they're they're migrants. We have to save them, though. Come on, Josh. Are you think how horrible it was when? extra supernature fueled by global warming came along yeah they, they're, they're just on like a hopping on the political band, bandwagon to take advantage of an opportunity to move out of their stupid little country but that, that's how i'm interpreting yeah. this 
That yeah, that checks out. I would move out of there too if I were them. Fuck that. Yeah, that's retarded. Not only would the dune, like the highest point of their island, shift just from like the wind, it, it would also like the location of the island relative to everything else would move due to every storm. <laughs> like okay, here's like the sand mound has now shifted like twenty feet north. We have a new <laughs> river today. trying to live off of. Yeah. <laughs> or just like a big wave wipes out your island and then also there's a shark in your living room fuck that <laughs> alright so now he's trying to fear monger new technology uh, old habits plus old technology is predictable consequences old habits that are hard to change plus new technology can have dramatically altered consequences which th- that's him saying nothing, literally nothing. I mean, he, he has he has a point kind of, and he, he talks about warfare where, you know, once once we invented guns, but still had uh, but, the, the old yeah, old timey tactics. Yeah, yes. Yeah, let's just play the clip. Warfare with spears and bows and arrows and rifles and machine guns. That's one thing. But then yeah, that was fine. That's good old came. fun. Atomic bomb, fucking fear mongering thing that I promise you doesn't exist. And you'll never we have to ever think differently about war because the new technologies so completely transform the consequences of that old habit that we can't just mindlessly continue the patterns of the past. Can you pause it real quick? <laughs> His point on war here is fucking insane, by the way. Because he's like, yeah, with machine guns, whatever. That's just fun. That's good old. That's a good time. That's just boys being boys. But you know, now that we've invented nukes eighty fucking years ago, uh, now we have to think about war differently. That's why we don't constantly fight one every year with a new group of fucking people. You know what I mean? Like they act like we stopped fighting war because of nukes. We're still in a war all the time, and no one ever gets their hands on a fucking nuke and sets one off. It's so weird, even though we're literally at war all the time. So th- th- this documentary was 2006. Um, Aaron, you graduated high school 2003, 2004? Four. Four. Uh, how, how many people from your high school uh, went and joined the military so they could go fight the terrorists? Um, uh, I, I had a, a lot amount. in my graduating class. Yeah. Okay. A, a decent amount and a lot, but, but, um, how many of them, uh, used nukes or how, the, how many, for how many of them did the existence <laughs> of nuclear weapons change their experience in war? Not at all. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> fucking exactly. <laughs> this is, there, there's a point it's, to be it's, made. It's insane. Like the, the civil war is the point where you make where you have guns, but there's zero uh, change in strategy to adapt for that. So just hundreds of thousands of people died. That's the terrible example. Yeah, or World War One. Like World the one. first, exactly. We we're doing mortars, killing everyone all the time. But nukes that, that like cavalry charges into machine guns, like a yes, cavalry yes. charge into a machine gun, and just the whole army gets wiped out. He's postulating this this environmental threat through nuclear warfare, but it's like we used it twice in war, like in the history of the world. If for a moment, Aaron, you're, you are to believe that nukes are real, right? We, we've only used it twice in war. Like no one is bringing up we should be we should be using more nukes in war right now. Not and we're, we're not backing away from that prospect because of the environment. We're saying it's like it could kill us all. Like it would wipe out humanity. It would save 
nature at the end of the day. Probably. If, if Chernobyl's any any example, it would save nature, yes. Yeah. Where where are the graphs that correlate all of like the nuclear testing that you, the United States and like Russia did in like the the 40s and 50s where and 60s where they just kept blowing shit up to test all like their their nukes? Have you ever it, noticed, Bob? They don't call those places uninhabitable. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a million stories about how you can never inhabit the the area around where they tested. Can't nukes. go to can't go yeah. to New Mexico. It's always, it's always just Chernobyl. Whatever. I mean, everyone yeah. in Kazakhstan has uh, cancer or the Serbia, Serbia or wherever. Ever, Where's the mutant fish, cancer, Josh, in the ocean? They How many nukes did we blow off in the ocean? Where are all the mutant fish? I, you I talk mean, about two-headed dogs and shit in Chernobyl, but there's no fucking mutant fish? For, for, all the, for all the species we discover in the ocean every year, you'd think they'd be finding a few mutant fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe Where, it's I want all those two-bodied shrimp. shrimp. If we didn't, yeah. if we didn't nuke the ocean, we wouldn't be finding all of these species of shrimp all the time. Well, I think you guys are onto it. something. We figured it out. <laughs> Goddamn government! We still only eat one, like two kinds of the shrimp, though. So weird. Can, can we? If we discover two thousand new species, can we find a more delicious one at least one year? That'd be great. Yeah. Eaten by GMOs. Yeah. The only way. Unfortunately, that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I, I think he uh he tries to wrap this up into like that political package, like you need to like vote to save the planet kind of thing that I was talking about at the very beginning. Yeah. He he wraps it up with that uh coming up. We have everything we need, save perhaps political will. But you know what? In America, political will is a renewable resource. Catchy. It's a good line. We have the ability to do this. Each one of us is a cause of global warming. Oh, no, he said it. (laughs) Now I feel bad about myself. (laughs) Guys, stop it. Aaron, could you stop global warming over there? Yeah. The verb (laughs) global warming. Stop warming the globe. (laughs) Yeah. I am trying to fucking, I'm trying to live off grid, man. I'm going to be, uh, you know, but then I'm going to ruin the topsoil because I'm not an experienced farmer like Monsanto. Aaron, you're going to be so far away from the closest 15 minute city. <laughs> I don't know. Are you going to do that? <laughs> and I started Gosh. an environmental solutions company. That's what I'm doing to, to save the oh, climate. That's true. <laughs> Another, I love it. You know what? I'm glad. I like. What are you doing? What are you doing, Bob? All inside jokes. Let's do a whole episode of just inside jokes and references. No one will fucking understand what's happening. It'll be perfect. I am. I am a part of that environmental solutions company. I would like to. Yeah, me too. And there's seven other people that are, and no one else knows what the fuck we're talking about. (laughs) But we're doing our part. Don't worry, guys. We are over here. The OK Homo family is saving the planet on your behalf. So you That's just true. Sit we did back. name it a, a planet saving name for <laughs> our LLC. It's Don't just good. tell everyone. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anybody anything else with that, but I'm just, you know, the name. It is, it does sound like we're saving the planet, and that's, we should be commended for that. 
because we're doing such a good job at what we do, saving the planet, you guys can, all the Oklahoma listeners can sit back, relax, and not worry about it. We'll cover you. Yeah, you know what? Litter on us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want, you can buy green energy credits. Let's we let's have official licensed uh, Oklahoma green energy credits, and everyone they buy from us, they can litter. And feel good about it. This is great. We're I not like just offsetting it. Yeah, we're not just <laughs> offsetting your pollution. We are going above and beyond and completely reversing it. <laughs> yeah, if it works for Elon, why can't we do that? That's the most insane thing ever is that Tesla that uh Tesla sells like fucking green energy credit. They sell basically like N-word passes but for like companies to pollute instead. Yeah. Like they they don't produce anything. To, they're just like you're allowed to pollute. It's on us. Like that's insane. <laughs> An inward pass comparison. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. That's our solution to global warming. Is Tesla's like, well, we don't pollute enough, so you guys can pollute on us. What? <sighs> All right. To wrap up my thoughts on this uh, this movie, I would like to point out that um, I have a. A nagging suspicion that he had like a weird possibly gay relationship with one of his professors in college because he mentions the guy probably like half a dozen times in the documentary it's his inspiration for this whole thing took one class fell in love with the topic and now he's giving thousands and thousands of speeches across the globe uh very strange very, very, like, he never grew up. He never matured out of that, like, kind of, like, phase, I think. If if his speaking fee was an yes, average of 100000 like, like uh, when you look that up, Josh, it said that his average speaking fee was 100000 I, I don't think it was average. It, uh, it was some ABC News article from a while back that was saying it's it's reported that he, he has charged 100000 before. Um, I think uh, it was supposed to be on so the So let's upper, just say, let's end, go down still, to 20000 like, Yeah, yeah. Let's go down to 20,000. That means he's made $20 million giving this PowerPoint. Yep. Yes. So, like, I think that's really what he's in love with more than the class professor. He's still giving the presentation all the time. I think a couple, like, a a few months ago, I I think I brought in his speech nowadays. He's saying that the atmosphere is like the temperature is increasing at the rate, the same rate as if we were setting off 600,000 nuclear Hiroshima style bombs in the atmosphere every single day. That's okay. We need to actually increase. get our hands on one of his most recent ones. Like, we have yeah. a video of the well, shit he's claiming. That would be great. Uh, and in con- there, there is an inconvenient sequel. Do we know what that's about? Is that more climate stuff? So that just came out Wait, like 2016. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's actually oh. in response to the cuties documentary, Josh. Completely different topic. <laughs> <laughs> like is the in response why wasn't it little boys? <laughs> oh boy, another watch party. <laughs> Number two coming up. <laughs> we do part twos very timely, so I'm sure we'll be doing that next week. Yeah. Definitely a next week thing. <laughs> yeah, we always do our part twos uh, one exactly one week after part one. <laughs> we, we just wait to release them straight from it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, 
that was basically the whole documentary. Uh, it's uh, really shitty. It's uh, him just griping about how he didn't become president, save the planet, and makes a bunch of very vague predictions 50, 70 years in the future. And it's all based on the fact that he thinks that you can identify a 650,000-year-old air bubble and then accurately measure the temperature that day and over the whole dioxide. planet based on the amount of CO2 in that bubble. I love that that's the, yeah. the linchpin of his argument as well, because as he's describing it, describing it, he clearly doesn't understand the science that he's supposedly talking about. Because he has like a couple pictures, but he is trying to, re- he, he sounds very, he sounds like a boomer trying to describe how a computer works or how email works or something, something like that. They measure the isotopes. What don't you understand about that? Yeah. <laughs> that's actually a good point. He's like, oh, I guess. It's like when you're, you know, it's going to be how I'm talking about, you know, it's going to happen to us too. You know what I mean? It's going to be like, uh, well, just, you know, your, your grandson's like, grandpa, think about the hologram of my baseball game. You're like, what? Like, (laughs) can I just meet you in person? Like, what are are you crazy? Do you want me to die? (laughs) All right. I'll try to think about the holograms. (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, but he is just doing that with science like wow these guys can take a bubble and and tell you what happened six hundred thousand years ago it's like not, okay accurately pre- with precision yeah. accuracy say to that the year to the year thank god we have such good science communicators like al gore one of a kind is that your final thought on it josh <laughs> on the movie itself uh, pretty much. Yeah, my, my my final thought was just that he he doesn't understand what he's trying to repeat. Um and it's it's a, a glaringly terrible example of science communication. I wonder <laughs> yeah, because I wonder like who made this for him, who gave him the data, who put it together, who coached him through exactly like what exactly you know information to bring in. That would be really I would love to find that stuff out. Like who wrote it? I would love to be a fly on the wall for like the, the scientists or the group of scientists sitting in a room with Al Gore being like, okay, so just, just fucking say this. Like you don't have to elaborate. Just say this. I mean, it, it's so terrible <laughs> that it's almost like he, he went and talked to them and then kind of just took what he remembered from his meeting and went rogue and made his own presentation <laughs> based on that. Yeah. But like handwritten kind notes of. during it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, no, my, my, my real, my real closing thought is, um, it's, it's some, out of some ironic turn of, uh, twist of fate, uh, it's actually better that Al Gore didn't become president because he was able to, uh, give this, uh, create this movie and, uh, alert billions of people across the globe to the coming crisis. Beautiful. Thanks, Al Gore. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You got any voicemails or... We do, in fact, have some voicemails. Bobby calls in about his last voicemail, first off. I'll settle for gay hypothesis. There you go. Oh, that was okay. <laughs> the putting the conclusion before the research. Yeah, yeah. The gay hypothesis. I can I can do it. Yeah. I can uh-huh. I can dig. And then he called in again. Foam rollers. They're bullshit, right? That's a Josh kind question. Of. Uh, I I say kind of yes. I don't like they. They can be a little bit nice for some recovery foam stuff. Uh, foam, you know, like, like what a you, paint roller. What are you talking about? 
No, <laughs> no, like the thing you you roll your 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 back over, your thighs over in the gym to to like get the blood flowing and stretch stuff out. Aaron's not a white woman who does yoga, so he's not a white woman that does yoga. So he has no idea what's going on right now. Dude, I haven't been in the gym since the <laughs> December before COVID. So, so anyway, Aaron, be- look before it's, it's Josh. It's a foam roller. Look, I found it. <laughs> look, it's on the ground. You know, so my weight's on it. Are you Are you happy now? Why? What is he saying? That's bullshit for. This seems like you could maybe stretch out your back a little bit. No, oh, so 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 the thing is, a lot of people use it to treat uh, tightness and soreness, um, and ultimately, what it does is it's loosening up those muscles, which uh, then kind of you know, so so they're not ready to go do your squats or ex- exercises. And the real solution is to tighten the support muscles that your hip flexors are overcompensating for. So it's it there, there's a whole you know uh, narrative behind it. I, I get what you're okay, on so about, this Bobby. Is like a, this is like a fucking gym nerd argument that's been ongoing and raging on that I have no <laughs> awareness of. Is what you're telling me. Yeah, yeah it's between Josh and Bobby. <laughs> Actually, Bobby and I've been going back and forth about a lot of a lot of stuff like this recently. <laughs> so wait, wait. What's your short answer? Are they bullshit? Oh yes. No. Yeah. Totally. No. Oh god. <laughs> okay. We'll have to do a foam roller topic on a show now. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, we have a we tested out a a small bit. I printed out a bumper sticker. It didn't arrive in time, but we, we got a caller to call in. We put a bumper sticker on Josh's car that says, how's my driving with the the voicemail number <laughs> on it. <laughs> And, and we have someone that called in uh, regarding Josh's driving because rumor has it Josh is a little erratic. Not you know, if, if you pass him on the road, you'd probably honk at him or something like that. But let's hear. <laughs> you know, it would be really great if people, when they were driving, wouldn't drive on the rumble strips on a very straight stretch of highway and would just stay in their lane. There's definitely not directed at anyone that would listen to this voicemail but uh if you would just drive in your lane you would never hear your rumble strips this is a listener from colorado who loves the show concerned listener um (laughs) no comment thank you fan from colorado that was great and we're going to wrap up the show, say our goodbyes, and then we're going to close on a final, final voice message. So see you guys next week. All right. I'm back. Yeah, I'm back. Screw you, Cashew Honey. Screw you. Well, I just finished my finals, though. I think I passed. Who knows? Still don't have my Ritalin. Girlfriend's in the hospital now. Yep. Broke a couple ribs. Concussion. <laughs> Contusion on her lower back. I'm pounding her in doggy style. Man. Uh, Really need my 
my my brother-in-law. School's done. Just sitting at home now. Finger popping my butthole still. Looking for a job. Just gonna probably sit and finger pop my butthole all summer long. So. Listeners are getting more autistic. <laughs> the sound of finger popping. Just finger popping. This is the side of the Who internet I wanted to really get access to. That <laughs> <laughs> leaves a 17 minute voicemail and then fucking beats a joke to death. <laughs> like the funny part of it nah, was that he just mentioned it casually, and, um, but now he's got so a fucking debt. over the top. And it's Mother's Day on Sunday. Why is he so still much going? Debt, I can't even get my mom a Mother's Day gift. Screw you, Cashew Honey. This is all because of you. You flat earther. <laughs> someone, someone, please now remind me to censor that. <laughs> now we gotta beep more shit out? God damn it. <laughs> See you guys next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening.